Beautiful Thursday. Welcome to the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's show, Oilers, I, I'm thinking trade. We'll talk about that. Eagles-Vikings should be exciting. Two very good teams, but it's Thursday night. And as as our friend said yesterday, you're in a car crash on Sunday, and you don't even get till the next Sunday to play a football game. It's just like three days off, and you're back in. Often you'll see injuries. Often you'll see just dogs breakfast football. And I think that may be the case. I don't want to undersell the game. Watch the game. But it's not going to be as exciting as it should be between two really good teams. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. Lots of texts calling in. We really appreciate that. Uh, 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter, at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. Uh, the lowdown driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Our guests today include Bagged Milk from Oilers Nation. Still can't get over that, that he calls himself Bagged Milk. I mean, you, you want to cash that in earlier in your year, your career. It's like Kid Rock. You know, now he's Kid Rock forever. He had to make the segue. When you're Bobby or Billy or whatever, you got a segue mid-career. Into something else. Cad Rock would have been better. But we'll have him. Bagged milk. Also, Joe Giglio from Audacity will join us. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles in front of their big game with the Vikings tonight. And if they can go 2-0, and the Cowboys look very good. I still think that's going to be a race this year, but we'll see. The Eagles obviously in the Super Bowl last year and won just a few years ago. NHL rumors. A player I believe the Oilers should consider signing. And I, I'll talk about it in two shakes, but I think we may see a move. I've looked at the roster, I've read the tea leaves, I've said a few, you know, mantra kind of words, I look to the east, and I think there's going to be a trade. So, young man, that's how I'm going to call you to the microphone now. Instead of Declan Kruger or, hey, Declan Kruger's there, I'm just going to say, young man, wearing a a hat. Um, Eagles-Vikings, we talked about this yesterday. You you are looking at a a Sunday. You're you're getting off the field, and you've you know you probably don't have anything broken, but it sure feels like it. You're as tired as tired can be. I thought in my own brain what you know the most tired ever was picking rocks, uh, staying up all night, uh, driving from Spokane to Edmonton because we just had to get back, and we just stayed an extra day when we shouldn't have. But you're a young man, and so. I want to know, as a young man, probably very few things have you bone tired. What experience can you share with us that would be similar to what the Eagles and Vikings will be experiencing tonight? <laughs> well, similar to, their, to them in terms of injuries, probably not much because, like I said, I've never been in a collision week in, week out for 17 straight weeks. My The biggest thing for me with being tired than having to go do something in a short time period thereafter, it, it it's not anything that stands out specifically, but so consistently was the six a.m. swim practices mm. on Saturday morning. Oh my god! And it like it doesn't sound that drastic or anything, but when you're when you're a kid, you're like eleven, twelve, thirteen. You you know you got your nine p.m. bedtime throughout the week, and Friday night is your night to you know hang out with your friends. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When did your nine p.m. bedtime get eased? When I was eighteen, my parents let oh. me go to bed at nine thirty. Holy, yeah, it was nice. It was that was a it was wow. a birthday present actually. 
That's um, wild. You yeah. you have very good parents. I know. They almost it was like I had to fight for it, but it was a birthday present, like I said, so they wow. were okay with it. But my thing was like for those Friday nights, it was you know watch movies, play video games, <laughs> hang out with your friends. It was yeah. like the one night you kind of had to yourself. It felt like, mm-hmm. and the six a.m. the six a.m. practices on those Saturday mornings as well. Like those were the practices like that were hey go prove it. You want to yeah. be here? You want to be a swimmer? Go prove it. So those ones were always <laughs> tough, and there was always just like. This conflicting feeling of like, ah, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a kid. I'm trying to be a young teenager, hang out with my friends, but I have to go and, you know, perform and train for three hours at 6 a.m. the next morning. It was always tough. And those practices were always terrible. Those, pra- those were always the practices I was most inconsistent. Those were always the practices where the drills felt a little longer. The times were a little slower. And again, like, it's nothing drastic. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a better story, but that's one thing that really sticks out to me because it was so consistent. When I was 18, I could do anything I wanted, but if I wasn't in school, I had to pay for everything. You and could- my dad, true story he charged me rent right off the hop and if you plugged your car in it was a quarter a night like 25 cents to plug your car in how bad is that that's pretty i'm just i'm amazed your parents let you stay up past 9 30 at 18 you know how mine were so no I, I i didn't especially on friday nights i don't recall restrictions um and certainly not saturday nights and i was like you know <laughs> I was a, I wasn't a great student, but I did show up for everything. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the things why my parents let me have like leeway in my teen years because I, you know, I show, I took school seriously and I took my athletics seriously, so they said, okay, wow. you can go blow off some steam. Well, you are a good son for for. Did you ever break curfew? Uh oh yeah yeah definitely, definitely. yeah but I, but right. never never too much and I always had a good reason. Sure you did because you had a list reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you you had that all yeah. ready to go. I had a list of excuses typed up since the first day of high school. Oh, I love it. Low down with low tide on Sports 1440. This is the part of NHL training camp I don't like. Interviews about summer. No one drank a beer. No one had any extra sugar. They just waded through sloughs with 600-pound potatoes on their backs. It it I miss the old days where men were men and everybody lied about their off season. There's a book I can't remember which one. It might be the the Derek Sanderson I've got to be me book, but I read everything I could about the Boston Bruins when I was young. And Jerry Cheevers lived in I believe it was Sarnia, Ontario or Sault Ste. Marie, one of the two. And about a week before he had to go to training camp in Boston, this is what he'd do. He had a gigantic old's cutlass. And he would start the car, put the heat on, and then he would go into his garage and put on as pants a garbage bag and as a shirt a garbage bag. Poke holes where he could see and all that stuff. I mean, not not holes where he could see. He'd poke it through so his head came out the other side. And he would get in the car and he would drive and drive and drive, sweating profusely. And that's how he got to wait. Back then, you didn't care about anything else. You, everybody, you know, drank beer and went to the races and everything, but you had to make weight. That was the thing for every team. And there's none of that now. And it's, and it's good because I think in a lot of ways, the off season for these guys is more difficult than the actual season. They come over prepared. So, you know, preseason is, is, is a break from their routine. And that's good because you're building, building up, but it, everybody has turned into Rasputin, right? They're, they're taking poison so that if anybody ever poisons them, they'll be fine. And it makes it less interesting for the media because you can't call people out anymore. 
Dave Lumley was on when I was on the old station. Uh, he he told me about the year he had the big season and he just they won the Stanley. He scored thirty two goals and he had a party the whole time. He was a, he'd go to speaking engagements and they'd pay him and and he would never pay for anything. He'd get everything for free. And then he comes to training camp and he weighs in and Glenn Sather says, "Your ass is mine." And he worked him like a dog the whole year and he scored seven goals that year. We don't have stories like that anymore. I miss them. I, I, I don't think NHL organizations or managers do. I mentioned at the top of the show, I do think there's a trade coming for the Oilers, and I want to explain that. Uh, Ken Holland said the other day, I'm going to check the waiver wire. Look, they're trying to win a Stanley Cup. There's, there's nothing on the way. They could make a trade, but there's nothing on the waiver wire. And Brandon Sutter isn't going to skate fast enough when the NHLers come to play. These are the truths of the matter. So what what I'm telling you is this. Bottom line here, the Edmonton Oilers are either going to go with like Dylan Holloway as fourth line center, or they're not going to have a fourth line center, and they're going to keep Raphael Lavoie. But on the other hand, let me just park that, put a pin in it. The other hand, this team is so deep at left defense and left wing, it makes too much sense to make a deal. Do you remember last October, it was just before the season, Holland sent uh, Dmitry Samarukov to St. Louis for Clem Costin. I think we might see that, except a defenseman like Nima Linen or whomever heading out, and then a center coming back, a right-handed center, but a guy who's already on a roster, on a roster of a non-contender. That's my belief. Looking at this, looking at this team, if they're trying to put together all the pieces and get everybody in under the cap, then that's the deal. The only other thing you could do is trade Jack Campbell. I don't think that's going to happen because if you're trading Jack Campbell, you're bringing Tyler Myers back. And you might as well go with Jack Campbell. I think that's fair. We will talk to Bagged Milk about that. Do, do we want to pursue his actual name or is that something we want to keep quiet? You've been pretty big at getting his actual name. I like him as Bag Bag Milk. I like the pseudonyms. I like the pseudonyms and I like the one names. Like, yeah. you know, Seal, Bono. Yeah. Bagged milk, one word, no hyphen. I like it. <laughs> that would be a better name. Bagged milk, one word, no hyphen is a much better name. What time do you go to bed now? I I try and get to bed by 11, I would say. I don't yeah. like to stay. Maybe like 1130 if I'm, yeah, if I'm no, doing I'm, I'm an 11 o'clock guy, but I, I, I tried 10 and I was getting up ridiculously early. I really like my sleep. Like I really, I'll, I'll wake up from a nap at 11, go to bed at 11, 15 kind yeah. of guy. I worked with a, a, a lady years ago, very, very nice person. And, and <laughs> she did this whole diatribe once. I walked into her office at like at 830 in the morning. And I said, I said, you look tired. She goes, I could go right back to bed right now. I wish I was in my pajamas. She spent like five minutes talking about how much she wishes she weren't at the radio station and was Back home in bed. It was hilarious and sincere. I believed every word she said. All right, it's twelve twelve. This is Sports 1440 and Lowdown with Low Tide. I don't want to do this, but I have to. The Blue Jays' bats have taken a powder. I was reading The Athletic today. Ken Rosenthal has called them paper tigers. He did that today. I'm telling you there's something wrong. Laddie doesn't look himself. He's lurching for balls. I'm still wondering about the ponderous management of John Schneider. And, and really what concerns me, I said it at the time. I said it at the time. This whole Alec Manoa thing is weird. And now I know they're, they're burying him, uh, in Toronto. The media is going after him and the, 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 the club isn't defending him and all that. There's something wrong here, man. 
You that guy's a bull. He's a horse. He he's he is a stud pitcher. You can't lose that guy. And they have. And everybody's after him. Oh, he'll never do anything anymore. Okay. We're going to talk to Lansky about this tomorrow because I think Lansky and I disagree. And we're going to go, it's going to be Pistoles at 20 paces. I mean, we're not going to hit anything. But I I have to say, I don't like it when organizations lose good talent for whatever reason. And Manoa's not playing their garbage at the plate right now. And they're wasting some really good pitching. They have to win game four. They're three. Texas has won all three. They've come in there and they've cleaned their clocks. Got to tell you, man, very disappointing run for the Blue Jays. And I don't care. I'm not a Blue Jays fan. I could care less about the Toronto Blue Jays. It's true. I'm a National League fan. So I follow the Nationals. I follow the Dodgers. I follow the Cardinals. I hate watch the Mets. But I do watch the Jays because... A lot of people who are listening to me right now are Jays fans, and I want them to be happy. I want everybody to be happy. I want Declan to go to bed whenever he wants to. That's the kind of person I am. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. But having said that, the Jays, they suck. So they got to stop doing that they, right now because they could still get in the playoffs, and you never know. With their pitching staff, they could do something. But I don't think Schneider, Schneider makes it out. I do. I do. If they if they crumble like this, it'll cost the the manager his job. Um, big day for 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 a lot of people who are friends and fans of Whale and the Wolf. They're a local band uh, who've been doing great work. They're from major urban centers like Loon Lake, Saskatchewan, and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And they've been building and building and building and building, and they've got a brand new album. Their debut album out right now, Envy. Very proud of these young men. They've worked. They're very talented. They're, they write their own music. The, the, they're just outstanding. So if you haven't heard about Whale and the Wolf, check it out. Buy their album. Get excited. Get in on some brilliant local talent. And I have to say that I'm just, I'm absolutely thrilled about it. I'm so happy for them. They're all really great guys. And for me, anyway, this is a this is a. Have you ever been around to somebody who like got a recording contract or became famous as an actor or anything like that? No. Okay. No, I mean, All right, me, it take was your mostly, time. It was mostly just chill players for me. <laughs> no one in the entertainment industry. Okay. Well, so so who's the most famous person you knew before they were famous? Uh, I knew Jake DeBrusque. We went to uh, junior high together. Very cool. He was older than me. Yeah. Uh, but I knew his ex girlfriend very well, so I'd probably say him. Well, do you want to tell a little more about the ex-girlfriend? I was like, no, like, she was just, just kind of leave it hanging. No, there, no, or? there's nothing. There's nothing okay. PG-13 to the story. Okay. She was just she was just friends with some of my close. Friends, oh, I so see. I, okay. Yeah. All like, right. I don't think me and Jake ever spoke, but everyone like everyone knew at that time. He was also the Quenvilles, John and Dave. They went to that school as well. Oh, right. Uh, on. Nolan Vulcan was there. Um, yeah. Tyler Benson threw some people, but uh, probably Jake DeBrusque, I would say. Yeah. Too bad about Benson. I hope he catches on there in Henderson and. Uh, plays really well. All right, here's the here's the show today. Uh, and by the way, please text us. We're, we're going to do a, a lot of text today. We haven't so far, but we will. Our text number is 833-401-1440. Uh, on the way, Joe Giglio. We're going to talk about Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, NHL rumors at 1240 today, bagged milk at 1 o'clock, and then lots of text line stuff at 120 and 140. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide. 
Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, hanging around until 2 o'clock today. Jason Greger hits the radio. And delighted to be joined to talk about my Philadelphia Eagles. It's a real honor. Joe Gillio joins us uh, from Audacity. Uh, how, how are you doing? And are, are you ready for tonight? Is it for I know for the players, it's too small, uh, a gap between the game on Sunday and then Thursday. But what about for the media? Are you are you ready to go tonight? Oh, I'm ready, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and obviously their bodies are the ones that have to uh, get revved up for the game. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, for the media, and I'm, I'm just kidding here. But, yeah, and I'm challenged to get back up after a game on Thursday. Now we're having fun with it. It's, it's certainly a different week uh, in Philadelphia because we only got to react to the, the game on Sunday for a couple of days, and now we're right back at it again on a, on a game day today. I I watched the game, and I'm an Eagles fan, so I was impressed, and then I was worried in equal parts, and it seemed like as soon as I relaxed, <laughs> it was that was a bad idea. But winning on the road is hard in the NFL, right? And New England is a you know a team that has ability. So coming out of that, how how do you think? How do you feel about the Eagles, uh, and how do the fan base feel about the Eagles? Yeah, it was almost the ultimate sports radio game, wasn't it? Because they won, but they didn't play well. So it's like half the people are like, well, they won. And half the people are like, well, they didn't play well. Um, I don't think they played a good football game. And I think they're very fortunate to have won that game. Now, in the NFC, as you guys know, every win matters. The number one seed could determine who goes to the Super Bowl. And San Francisco is going to win a lot of games. Dallas is going to win a lot of games within the division. And I think the Lions might win a lot of games. So it was, it's a big win they got on Sunday. Uh, but the way they did it, I think there's some cause for concern. The offense was really stymied. It was, I think, their worst offense performance since 2021. Uh, really, they couldn't move the football at all. They had four straight drives in the second quarter without a first down. That didn't happen one time all of last year with Jalen Hurts on the field. So there's a lot to clean up here, uh, and they have a lot of youth on defense. Now, from the, the other side of it, the good, Jalen Carter, who was their number one pick in this past draft, the number nine overall pick, he looked like a special player in his first game, maybe their best defensive lineman from the minute he gets here. So there's some certainly some positives, although the offense was mostly negative. Let's talk about running back because, it, you know, it's been a strength. Obviously, there's been a turnover there. Uh, DeAndre Swift was, you know, coming in and doing good things. Need a really good week, too, from, from the running back, specifically Swift. Yeah, and it was kind of strange the way they, the way they used their running backs in week one. You know, throughout training camp, Kenny Gainwell – who was here last year was kind of the, the lead guy, but we all thought that was just because he knew the offense and he was ahead of the curve and he was here, and everyone kind of assumed, well, when the game starts, it's going to be more Swift or it's going to be more Rashad Penny, who actually was inactive game one. So I'm one that thinks a running back by committee can work. I don't think they need a lead back. The offensive line is good. Jalen Hurts helps the run game. So I think this will work, but game one, it was kind of bizarre because it wasn't very effective. And the guy everyone thinks is third on the depth chart was actually first for the first week. Now, Gainwell is out tonight. He has a rib injury that he suffered on Sunday. So tonight feels like a night for DeAndre Swift to emerge, and Rashad Penny should be active tonight. So we'll see what he could do as well. Joe Giglio joins us. How much of what you just said was preseason and they didn't play a lot? Because I know that's been a theme uh, in reading various uh, reports on this, that, that maybe, you know, guys just weren't into it. That's not an excuse, but how much of an excuse was it on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's there's something to it. I mean, last year, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me from week one this year, but I know last year quarterbacks that didn't play – uh, or teams that didn't play their quarterback at all in the preseason were 3-8 and eight in the first game of the season. And we did see some rust for the Eagles this year. The Bengals certainly without Joe Burrow playing the whole preseason. They looked awful on Sunday against the Browns. So there's probably something to it. 
That being said, I do think it, 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 it's something we say as fans to make ourselves feel better because if that's all it was, then it's fine, right? Everything will be okay. If there's deeper-rooted issues, let's say the new coordinators for the Eagles, maybe they're not where they need to be, well, that's a bigger issue. And then that's why tonight will be so fascinating because if it was just simply rust and they knocked it off, well, then they should score some points against a suspect defense tonight. But if it's deeper issues – I think we'll start to find that out pretty quickly. I felt like Jalen Hurst, the, the targeting was different, you know, in terms of who they were throwing to. Uh, I think he ended up with under 180 yards. Uh, it, it felt like the first game and there was a little bit of rust and maybe uh, unfamiliarity. Uh, did, did you feel like he got better as the game went on? A little bit. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think Jalen threw the ball poorly. I thought his accuracy was fine and like when he actually targeted people. But I agree with you. He seemed to not see the field well. And one thing I'm looking for tonight uh, with Brian Flores as uh, a former disciple of Bill Belichick, I thought the Patriots had a really good plan, guys, uh, for to face this Eagles offense, specifically the RPO, which really nobody could stop last year. Belichick, I mean, he's the greatest defensive mind in NFL history. Was that a one-off, or did he give teams a blueprint that this is how you should play the Eagles, and now it's going to be on Jalen Hurts to adjust? Because last year – it just felt like the Eagles were one step ahead of everybody. Hertz always seemed to make the right reads, see the field so well. And yet, and Sunday, he, he didn't. And they were seemingly one step behind. So, you know, was that just a one tough game, Rust? Or did Belichick uncover something that the rest of the league, maybe starting tonight, will try to copy? Reed Blankenship, I, 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 every time I turned around, he was making some kind of a tackle. Uh, great game for him. He was outstanding. Yeah, unfortunately, he's out tonight. He has a rib injury, so he's not going to play tonight. That, that could be an issue. But uh, he's a fun story. Undrafted free agent last year, and he kind of made his way up the depth chart, and he became a backup to start last season. When they lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, to a kidney laceration last November, Reed came right in. He picked off Aaron Rodgers, and it was like, this kid seems like he could play. And then, you know, when the offseason rolled around, the Eagles let both their starting safeties go last year. They did not make a big, you know, move in terms of, you know, a high pick in the draft or a free agent with a lot of money to replace them, basically saying, Reed Blankenship, you're our guy. And I think you saw and I saw in week one why. He can play, and it will be a challenge tonight to, uh, to try to stop Minnesota without him back there. How important is Darius Slay to this team? Uh, he's, he's gigantic. I mean, last year against Minnesota, he shut down Justin Jefferson. Uh, last week, of course, he had the pick six, which they don't win without that play, that score on defense. And he brings a swagger, guys, to this defense. He is, uh, he's outspoken. Yeah, he kind of has that classic corner, number one corner mentality where he will talk. He knows he's good. He will chirp back at receivers, but he also backs it up. And um, it was interesting in the offseason, they, they, he took a pay cut. He actually was cut from this team for about a day, and then they reworked a, a new long-term contract. But it's pretty clear just after watching him for the past few years here in Philadelphia, the, the defensive identity, he, he's a big part of what they do. And they, they call him big plays late for a reason. He made a big play last week. I, I've spent almost my entire life hate-watching the Dallas Cowboys, but I do have a tremendous amount of respect for them. They, clearly, the Giants weren't ready. I don't know how much of the, that game we can take and say, you know, Dallas is great. We know they're very good. Um, how, how much, how close do you think these two teams will be at the end of the year, Philadelphia and Dallas in the NFC East? Very close. Uh, in fact, I think it will come down to the final week. It wouldn't surprise me if a tiebreaker decided it, you know, if they both end up around 12-5 and five or, you know, a record like that. And, and to be honest, it's, it's not just the NFC East that's up for grabs. 
it's really the path through the playoffs because, as we know, the winner of the division could be a one seed, a two seed, or whatever it end up being. But the the team who doesn't finish first becomes likely the five seed and has to go on the road the entire time. Last year that was Dallas, and they made it one win, and then they lost to San Francisco. And we'll see what it is this year. But that's that's gigantic. I mean, yeah. that that difference could mean the difference between going to the Super Bowl or not. I do think Dallas has closed the gap, though. Um, you think back to last year, the Eagles had a magical season. And it still took until week 18 to clinch the division. They had to play that final game uh, and win or have a Dallas loss to clinch it. So it was pretty close last year, even though I thought the Eagles were pretty clearly the best team. I think they're both probably top five teams in the NFL. And uh, it wouldn't shock me either way if uh, it's the standings fall in the NFC this year. And I think they're both well ahead of the Giants and, and Washington. Joe, enjoy the game. Thank you. You got it. Enjoy the game as well. All right. Joe Gilio from Odyssey. Talking Philadelphia Eagles against the Vikings, and yeah, it's it's a long year, right? But when you are, you know, you're 17 games, you're thinking maybe 12, 13 wins. You got to get on a roll, and I mean, you know, he said it. They don't play well, but they won on the road in 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 Boston. Did they where do they play? Foxborough still, or where do they play? Foxborough, yeah. Okay, Foxborough. Uh, and so now we're we're looking at Minnesota. And if they go two and zero, you've got to be happy if you're an Eagles fan. We didn't talk a lot about the Vikings, but they're a they're a formidable team. I watched a lot of their game, and I was I was disappointed in some of their execution. But you can tell they're a talented club. I mean, you have a competent competent enough quarterback and the best wide receiver in the game. And anytime you have that on, in such a pass heavy league, you should be able to stay in games to some degree. Yeah, they shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't have lost, but they did. So you know, what are you going to do? I thought that was a close game. I thought they could have won it. Did you? Did you feel the same way? I I thought they should have won it before yeah. the game started. I thought ba- I thought Baker was impressive in his Tampa Bay Bucks uh, debut. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's a game they should lose. I thought they could have been in it, and I think those are the games they need to win if they want to uh, stay atop the NFC North. Yeah, we've got a few texts coming in. You can always text us anytime, just like anytime midnight. Text eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Hey LT, did you say there was an Oilers trade in the mix? I had the wrong text line all last week. Welcome back from Maple Jed. Don't worry about it, Maple. It's you know it's not an easy one. It's one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. But I what I said was I think I believe there's a trade on the way. They 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 can't get better. They're looking for a fourth line center who brings them two million dollar value for seven hundred and seventy five grand. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to make a trade, and I think they will. And I don't know if it's going to include. Lavoie, or if it'll be, they've got depth on left-handed defense. They've got uh, left-wing depth. They can make a trade there. But if they're looking for a fourth-line center, unless they want to move Dylan Holloway down, which they can do, but I think they feel as though he's a more substantial player than that. I can. I'm just reading the tea leaves. I don't have a rumor for you. I'm. I'm just telling you what I know, and I. I know that Ken Holland is. He wants this team locked and loaded. And he wants it to be very, very good right from the hop. And that means he's going to have 12 forwards. He's going to have seven defensemen. He's going to have two goalies. We know 11 of the 12 forwards. We know all seven defensemen. We know the two goalies. So it comes down to that last spot. If you're not going to play Lavoie, you might lose him on waivers. Maybe you trade him. And if you're going to keep Lavoie, you're going to trade somebody on the roster with something else to get what you want, which is a center. That's how I see it. Low Tide, who do you think the Oilers are trading? Well, I just said that. It was uh, C.C. Kulik, Fogel. The, the, the understand 
the the names you're mentioning there, Cece, Kulak, Fogel, they're all part of the team. They're all going to be there. It's like you're you're loading up for for glory. You are you're absolutely looking to win the Stanley Cup. So if you're offloading, you're you're sending young players and players to make the cap work away, and you want to bring something a uh, highly positive to your team. There's no time for Gaetan Haas anymore. No disrespect to Gaetan Haas, but there's no time for that anymore. You're not getting that guy. And maybe they don't get their guy until the deadline, but I think Ken Holland wants it now, and I think he'd also like to tweak at the deadline because goaltending may be an issue. Uh, they've got Broberg back there, Holloway up front. If those guys don't really emerge this year, they could be trade bait at the deadline. So there you go. Why not roll the dice on Nolan Patrick from Rockford? Well, the word is that he's so injured that, that you know, it's it's not a happening thing. And we're late now, folks. We're really late. If you haven't got a PTO really by Friday, and that's tomorrow, then I don't think so. I mean, have you gotten your PTO off yet, uh, Declan? Uh, no, I've missed a couple calls, but nothing official. That's so I'm, I'm still waiting. Yeah. Um, I got to learn to skate backwards first, and then I think the calls will come rolling in. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's a little late for you. Do you know that I, I, I once, uh, I had a, a magazine called Hockey World in about 1971, and they did a feature on a man named Tom Reed. Mm-hmm. He was a defenseman with the Minnesota North Stars, and the entire interview was Reed saying that the reporter saying you can't skate backwards, and Tom Reed saying I'm getting better. That was the interview. <laughs> and he's in the NHL, you know? <laughs> so you, you can't tell me I wouldn't have been a pro athlete in the 50s, 60s, 70s with stories like that. When people say, do you think Connor McDavid's faster than, you know, Howie Morenz? Yes, they all are. Everybody's faster. There, There's nutrition. There's equipment. They were on bone skates when I was a kid. I would put Bob Cousy in a blender in 1958. Yeah. He couldn't handle my crossover. You'd be a legend. There'd be photographs of you in really, really, really old books at the library. I would be the Houdini of the hardwood, oh. not old Robbie. <laughs> you, know, if you, you see, you've got the lingo down. You've got the nicknames down. It's the execution on the court that is the problem. Yeah, because I wasn't born in 1935. I missed the beat. Yeah, but you'd be, a, you'd, be a, you'd be a string bean. You probably had to go to bed at 6.30 back then. Yeah, it's true. After a, after a long day of work in the fields. <laughs> Did you ever pick rocks in the field? Uh, no, not really. I picked, I picked dandelions every now and then. But yeah. the, the, picking rocks was the least enjoyable endeavor I've ever had in my life. It was so menial. And you're like, oh. and you'd get, like, you'd be out in the hot sun and, you know, nobody thinks to bring you water and you're like 11 and it's the 60s. So nobody cares. And you get like a second glass of milk as your reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm so glad that we are more educated about what works and what doesn't work in, in our, we don't pay any attention to it, but at least it's out there. Should you want that information? All right. 1235. What do we, I know you sent it out and I know I have it, but I don't have it handy. So after Joe, we're going to NHL rumors next. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is the okay. that is the plan. Rumors in the 1240 slot there. Okay. Nick Ritchie's going somewhere. We'll tell you where next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide. Not quite Friday. We're getting there. We're powered by Wolf GMC Buick. Find them on the corner of 184th Street, Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Say hi to Doug. And we say hi to Mary. So 
I'm going to do rumors in a second, but this comes in, and I was talking about, you know, trading guys, Broberg, Lavoie, Holloway, whatever. And text line open, by the way, one 1440 Low Tide, would it not be smarter to hang on to these guys until the deadline? They're a playoff team with the roster they have. Sure, but what you really want is you you want to get the best player available and you want to get him as soon as you can because oftentimes you get a guy at the deadline and then, you know, he struggles. We see that happen. So if you can get him here now and and that player might move up the depth chart, may change a few things. Uh, I always thought Bukestad might, they might give him, a you know, just a, a turn or two on one of the top lines as a right winger because, you know, he, he a good shot, big guy, you know, could stand in there and take some heat and, and still score. But understand, Ken Holland right now, this season is either going to be, it's going to be one song or the other. It's either going to be Queens, We Are the Champions. Remember that? We Are the Champions, my friends, blah, 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 blah. Or it's going to be that um, that Jody Messina song, uh, I Had My Dreams in View When the Money Ran Out and the Engine Blew. There's no in-between. They're, they're either bound for glory or they're the Donner Party. This is the Edmonton Oilers. There's no in-between. This is it. I've watched sports since the 60s, and rarely do you have a team that is all in like the Oilers are all in. The Leon Dreisaitl's contract is going to be a big story next year. Will he sign? And then McDavid's just a year behind. And then Evan Bouchard is just like a cloud, and I've told you before, when they sign Evan Bouchard to the big contract, within a year, they're going to have to trade either Evan Bouchard or Darnell Nurse. They can't have both of them, and I have no idea. I don't know who the coach will be then. One of those two guys is going as soon as the big co- contract is signed. You can't have four guys, McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nurse or Bouchard, or is what you're going to be able to afford. Remember in, Phil- in Pittsburgh when they had Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. You know, they didn't have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and, you know, another guy making a bazillion dollars. Can't do it. And I know the cap is going up next year, but the cap is going up for everybody. And if Leon gets to free agency, they're going to offer the sun, the moon, the stars, and whatever else is out there. And so the Oilers have to make a decision. And nobody wants to make a decision about Leon before the Stanley arrives. Once the Stanley arrives, now you can start talking about legacy. This is where you sing legacy. Can you do that for us? I can get the ad fired up. I don't know if I'm much of a singer, so I might sit. I might sit this one I, out. This I might just be my sang first. it. I just sang it horribly. You could clearly do a better job than Legacy. that. Legacy. See, that's lovely. Okay. You and I should karaoke. Oh, I'd love that. I think I've asked you to do that, and you've said no. I'll go to karaoke anytime with you. Well, I, I, the only thing about karaoke is that I I sing. I love to sing, but then people pay me to, via drinks. To not sing. Imagine how viral a "Don't Go Breaking My Heart" duet, duet between the two of us would, it would be. Well, it'll be emotional. Yeah, you know, that's which is why it would go viral. So much in It'd that song that really reflects our our relationship. So, uh, all right, this is called rumors. This entire segment, so we should get to one or two. Uh, St. Louis Blues are reportedly uh, signing Nick Ritchie to a PTO. It may already have happened. Uh, he's a he's an interesting guy. Not a great skater, and that holds him back. But as a third fourth line guy, and he does have some skill, certainly more than his brother Brett. That's a guy. I I I don't think he would have been a, an astute signing by the Blues, but I like him as a PTO. If he comes in and fits, maybe maybe you you know you keep him, and maybe at the deadline he'll have more you know 
um, value and maybe somebody will give you something. In three years, the cap is going to be 100 million. I know, but please understand when, you know, like, like when everybody has the, this, the, like everybody's going to get, you know, this much more money. We'll all have 15 more million. All that means is the top end is going to get Uber paid. Did I do that right? Uber? They're going to get paid a ton. And that means Leon is going to get paid more than the owners can afford unless they can win the Stanley and sign him up. That's the way it works. Leon in, in Manhattan, imagine with that face, he's a, he is a handsome man. And he could go to, he could go to Manhattan and make a trillion dollars off the ice. Look at Lundquist. I mean, that guy, I, I mean, I don't know what his endorsement deals are, but they've got to be, you know, a lot. Well, they call him Handsome Hank, so it's got to be something pretty impressive. Just, I mean, his whole story is amazing. And, you know, he owns that town. And before him, Rod Gilbert owned the town. Another good-looking guy. Oh, I got out of this. Um, hey, Low Tide, what's a library? A library is the single most important thing in your life, or it should be. People still go to the library, you know. My four-year-old brother loves the library. He goes all the time. Your four-year-old so, brother is going to be a leader in this country. I'm not. I'm not underestimating the power of a library. I'm just saying, for library me personally, good. you go to the library, and what do you do at the library? The you may enter the library looking for a specific book, but then you see the library, and your entire world is opened up to ideas. And pretty soon, you're reading Moby Dick. That's how it goes. And then in life, you're chasing the white whale, <laughs> and that's what happens. Your whole life. That's the way it is. Um, this comes from, oh, I thought it was Montoyo, but it isn't. Uh, I personally feel the oil are good enough to make the playoffs as they are without changes. I think the tweaking will happen at the deadline. Well, I think it will too, but I think there'll be more tweaking at the deadline. There, they, there's a spot, you know, um, Ken Holland right now, he has this team tailored the way he wants, but he has said in media recently, you know, I'm looking for a, Checking the waiver wire for the fourth line center. Waiver wire is not going to help them. If there's a good fourth line center, sure as hell the orders aren't. They put in a claim, there's going to be 10 other teams claiming them. That's not how it's going to work. They're going to make a trade. And you're making a trade so that you can bring the guy in and you've got that set. Probably a right-handed guy, a guy who can penalty kill. That's all you want. You want to take care of that area. Because of the deadline, you might be looking for a goaltender. Or you might be looking for a right-handed defenseman on the top pair. That's what you're looking for at the deadline. Take care of these, you know, littler things if you can. If it's not out there, it's not out there. I get that. Yeah, budget fifteen million for raises for twenty ninety seven, twenty nine, and two. Uh, Campbell will be nearly off the books. Two million for Neil off. Other contracts gone from Team Dean. You bet. However, whatever the whatever the absolute out outer marker for the contract is, like if it was fifteen million when McDavid. Said, no, pay me only 12 and a half. So whatever that is, whatever the AAV is on the outer marker, somebody could and should and will offer it to Leon. Can the Oilers do that? And maybe if they haven't won a Stanley, Leon doesn't feel like staying here. Maybe he likes Manhattan. I'm sure the flights from there to Cologne are very easy. I'll go karaoke with you too, and I'm a terrible singer. And I don't drink. From Gruff. Fun, cheap date. <laughs> we should get that on a t-shirt. Although, you know, 
you're not dating, and neither am I, so it's all good. Well, I was going to say I'm kind of an expensive date, actually. So my standards might are you just, uh, are you kind of like a, a you know? Well, if you're the one taking me out, I'm I, I'm getting the fillet sure. with the lobster. Well, tail. I understand that. That's your yeah. one chance to to get at me. And I want to be wine say died. a word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Never happening. Just writing that down. Uh, what would it cost a team to acquire Leon or Connor? Would decimate them. So I don't think they'll leave. Now you're talking about trade. I'm talking about free agency. The owners can't trade Connor McDavid. They really can't trade Leon either. They have to sign them. And everybody's saying, uh, from Elliot Friedman on down, no, I think they're going to sign here. If they win, it's a lock. You just have to win the Stanley. No big deal. What well, is rookie uh, game streamed live last year? Are they only available on Oilers Plus? The Rookie 23 coupon for Oilers Plus does not work. Well, that's something you should take up with the organization. They're, they have phones and they have the internet and all of that stuff. And, and I would be irresponsible to respond to that since that's an Edmonton Oilers organization answer that you need. Any moves have to be a salary swap, no? From Robbie. Yeah, for sure. But if you're like, they're not going to trade Jack Campbell right now. They may at the deadline. But right now you're looking for a guy, a right-handed center who makes seven seventy-five, and you slide him in there, and you're good to go. And and maybe it costs you Raphael Lavoie. Maybe you don't want him on the roster. I will say this to you: if they keep Gagne or Peterson or Sutter or Kajula, and they lose Lavoie on waivers, I will yell in this studio for two hours. I will make noises. I'll use bad language. I'll be ill-behaved. They'll have to come in here and cart me off because I will tell you exactly what a bad decision that would be. Nobody on this roster who's a bubble player has the possible future value of Raphael Lavoie. You either trade his ass or you play him. Your language is really, really becoming a problem on this show. I want you to know that. Mine? Yeah. What have I said? Well, I... I can't go over it now. <laughs> can't be that bad. I'll have to do it in the meeting later. Uh, Taves uh, screams Ontario. They say he might play, but, you know, he's still making up his mind. I think that's a guy that Ken Holland would be interested in, even though he is left-handed. 11-7 and seven all day long. I think they'll go 11-7 and seven a lot. That said, you've still got to have somebody on the roster. Ty, do you think the starting goalie job is up for grabs, or is this more of a tandem? And the start's going to be fairly even from Coach Mike. I think going in, Stuart Skinner's the starter. He won the job clearly a year ago, and now it's incumbent upon Jack Campbell, who's making oodles more, to to win the job back. That's how I see it. I, I don't see any, like, certainly Stuart Skinner could have been better, but he was a rookie in a very, very intense playoff game, and he wasn't the only guy who didn't play well in the second periods of game five and six. Curious, are you ever going to be able to get Rashog on as a guest or no because of the other station thing? I, I haven't reached out, but I'm sure he'd say yes if he wanted to. Uh, I We had, uh, who did we have on yesterday from TSN? Shinetti. Yeah, Matthew Shinetti came on. He's great. I don't think there's a problem. Now, the the, the thing that I will say is we are, we are uh, able to, to grab from both networks, you know. I mean, I know Jeff Merrick. And once he sees my name and remembers that he rem- knows me too, maybe he'll answer. And then we could have him on. He's a good guy. I've watched Lavoie. 
He's kind of overripe, in my opinion. If given a proper opportunity, he fits in, he'll be James Neal 2.0. Kind of exactly what the second or third line needs. Thank you. That's my point. I've said this for decades. Do you know that my blog is 20 years old? My blog is almost as old as you. Yes. And my blog almost. has given me so much more than you have. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine. It shouldn't be close. I would imagine so. I love my blog. I, I like you. Um, anyway, I've been saying this for years. that You need to give, and I always say 500 at-bats because it makes people mad, but uh, it's a baseball term for a full season. You have to give these kids a full season. You just do. Because you, like Dylan Holloway, to me, he looks like a shy scorer. But what do I know? Play the guy, and then you'll know. You play him, he scores some goals. If he gets 10 goals this year, I'm talking about Holloway or Lavoie, then you go, okay, well, that's a good start. Now we'll you know, increase that a little bit. Ken Holland will look at his uh, hockey guide and record book and see that the numbers are incrementally going up, and he'll be pleased. That's how it works. But you got to get in there. you got to let the guy play. Don't you think the most important position to upgrade is CC? Then it forces him down and makes Vinny and Broberg fight for time even more. Well, you've got seven defensemen, and CC is the guy you're paying, paying to play top four minutes. And if he can't do it, then CC might be the guy you trade, but you'd likely do that at the deadline. I don't see any reason because CC, he was hurt last year. He was not mobile like he normally is. You got to give the man his chance, right? You do. I know people are mad about CC and what he didn't do, but if he's healthy, he was effective. He got overplayed in the first few months that Woodcroft was here with Dave Manson as owner's coach. Leon and Connor are buddies, and I don't think they'll want to part ways. If they want to win multiple cups and own the record books, they'll re-sign with the oil and leave a few dollars on the table. Yeah, you know, I I hear that all the time, and I, I know that they want to win a Stanley Cup together. But it's like the old line from The Godfather. Nothing personal. This is business. I think Abe Vigoda said that. Handsome man, Abe Vigoda. Beautiful. Hey, Low Tide. What about Dominic Bach? 23 right shot. Be an option for a PTO. German player who could lean on drive for guidance. Always like Dominic Bach. Partly because of the name. Do you know how many things you can rhyme with Bach? Clock, frock, sock, mock. I think your second word was made up. What did I say? Frock. <laughs> it's not a word. <laughs> how do you say, do you know how many words you can rhyme with something? And Where then the make hell do you, do you get your education? <laughs> is that not a, is well, that just a word? Just type frock into right, Google. Give me, give me a second. This, what, is, what, is, what are we doing with our children? What is our children learning? George Bush was right. Okay, Can you so read the read the definition of frock? Frock is a Middle English term that has been used for an article of clothing, typical coat-like for men and women. In British English and English Commonwealth countries, the word may be used as an alternative term for a woman's dress. So, Why would I know that? No, but you said, is it a word? I did. You, I was, you assumed that you know all the words. I was pretty judgmental. I'm it just sounded saying. Really, it sounded really made up. Well, I would love the I would love the text line to uh, get involved in this one. And did you know the definition of the word frock or that it existed before thirty five seconds ago? Because I think people will have, say yes. No, I think they're going to take my side on this one. Maybe I'm just aging myself. I'm going to dock you something. Now, now I know that one's real. <laughs> yeah, good point. That was harsh, LT. Well, the man's got to learn. 
There he is in his mid-twenties, and he doesn't know what frock means. I know, or I think if it's I, a word. I think I know everything. Big head on my shoulders. I need to be taken down a peg or two. Well, I'm glad it happened. I'm going to grow from this. Well, maybe, maybe bagged milk can give you advice. Good man. Been down a road or two. I'm sure he's been mocked and defrocked uh, in his time. So we'll talk to him from Oilers Nation. We're going to talk about the, uh, the the photo he sent out of Tata Yuremchuk the other day that scared the hell out of me. And we'll talk about Adam Ernie, who he's looking for at the rookie tournament, which we haven't talked about today. That's all on the way. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440.